Of course, I guess you could do like uh, my father-in-law used to do. We'd ask Lee Ray, say, well, what'd you get, uh, Diane? And he said, I got a new brush hog for it. <clears throat> and uh, next time I asked him, he said, well, look out there. He said, there's a new tractor sitting out there. He said, I got our new tractor. Amen. <laughs> she didn't like it too much. <laughs> but he was good to her, and especially in the latter years there, and, and uh, spoiled her some. And, but... Uh, so, guys, if, if you need a new gun, just go buy your wife a new gun. Amen? <clears throat> and, uh, but anyway, take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I, I always figured that uh, it's good to spoil your wife because she spoils you. Amen? And, uh, and I figure it's safer to spoil her than it is not to. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2. We've been in a series that we've uh, titled The Beginning, and we're going to look at something else here, uh, a beginning. I'm going to read uh, a couple verses, one from Luke chapter 24 and one from Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and then we'll read a, a few verses here in Acts chapter 2. In Luke chapter 12, or 24 and verse 49 says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Then there in Acts chapter 2 says, and beginning in verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when these when, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we, have, uh, wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Amalites, Amalites, I'm sorry, and the dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea, Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and other parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Creeks and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? We find here that something took place in the upper room. The Lord had told them to tarry in Jerusalem. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, The New Beginning in the Upper Room. And let's pray. Father, we come to you asking, Lord, that there would be a new beginning, a new stirring in our hearts and lives for you to magnify you, to glorify you. I pray there'd be a fresh touch on every person's heart and life, even here tonight. Help us to be that witness. Help us to be that testimony. And Lord, we need the, the fire and the presence and the power of God in our lives as we go forth. That you might uh, be magnified. 
that this world might see you as many have never seen before. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your mercies, and we thank you for your goodness. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. We find that here, after Jesus Christ had risen from the grave, and he had met with them at different times, and at one, at one particular time, over 500 of them at one, one point, that he told them, he said, Terry, in Jerusalem, wait on me until you be endued with power from on high, that the Holy Ghost would come upon them. At this particular time, the Holy Spirit had not been rendered unto those who were saved. And it was the coming of the Holy Spirit at that particular time that he was talking about. They would come upon those who had received Jesus Christ as their Savior in that day and time. Now, we see that when that took place, that they were able to preach to all those that were about them. And we listed all the different people from different countries and in different areas, and they all understood and heard them in their own language or their own tongue. They were a witness. They were a testimony. And there was a moving of God. And we can go on and read, and there was over 3,000 got saved in just one meeting. Just the hand of God moving in a powerful way. A lot of people say, well, that was that day, preacher, and it's not today. And that's our problem right there, that we don't believe that God can do it again. Amen? And I believe with all my heart that God can do it again, and that He can move in hearts and lives and see a great moving and a great stirring. But it was a new beginning, you might say. But let me say something about those that were in that upper room. Those, they were hungry. They desired for something to take place. They desired for something, the beginning of something, to see God do something great. Can I say that those who are hungry for the Lord will find Him? If you're not hungry for the Lord, you're not going to find Him. That's just like when you come in from out, uh, outside and you've been working all day and you're hungry and, and the wife says there's nothing to eat yet. Uh, it's it's going to be another hour or, or 45 minutes or something like that and you're starving you think you're going to die. I tell you what, if you're really hungry, you'll find something, won't you? You might go in and find an apple. You might go in and get some crackers and peanut butter. You'll find something if you're really hungry. My friend, I want you to know something. If you're really hungry for the Lord, you'll find Him. I fear today that in churches all across this nation and even around the world in places, the people aren't hungry for the Lord. And so we don't find Him like we ought to. I'm not saying that he doesn't meet with us. I'm not saying, I'm saying that I'm talking about in, in a greater way than what we're seeing take place in our day and time. Without a question, the need of the church today is to meet with the Lord and again in power and in might that it might bring revival, a, a revival of revivals, you might say. Just before the return of the Lord in these last days. I believe that, that the Lord would, would desire to send a great revival before his return. And I believe that we can see it. We need a new beginning of hunger for the Lord in the church. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 42 and verse 1, he says, As a heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I've pictured this over and over again of, of a deer running from, from these dogs, being chased by dogs. You've ever been out hunting and somebody had their dogs out of running and uh, when I, you know, a lot of them, they would 
they say, well, we're, we're running coyotes. Well, they stopped that. You can't even put the dogs out uh, for coyotes during, that, during deer season. But man, you, you find the dogs get in, and, and sometimes we'd be coyote hunting, and, and boy, all, you'd hear these deer coming through there, and those dogs are on them. They got off the coyote, and, and boy, that makes the, the guy that owns the dogs mad because he don't want them chasing deer. He wants them chasing that coyote. But those deer, man, they'll, they'll start flushing those deer out, and those deer are running giving it everything they got sometimes because those dogs are right on them. And there's a few times that I've looked at them, boy, you could tell that they was wore out. You could hear the, uh, the dogs uh, uh, run them for miles, and, and boy, I tell you what, they've been running. It's like a, a, the deer that he's talking there about it panteth after the water brooks. It's though that, that deer had been running and was just wore out and, and couldn't wait to get to the, to the springs or the river and, and lap up some water so dry, so thirsty, and, and wanting it so bad. You want the psalmist said that's the way that we should want God. We should pant after Him as a, as a deer or a heart panteth after the water brooks desiring for God to, to give us a fresh drink, to do something, a cooling or a refreshing drink. But I fear today that, we've, that we're satisfied with the water out of the mud holes. I think that we, we go through life and we get a little bit thirsty for the things of God and we see a, a mud hole and we, we begin to sip out of the mud hole. I don't know about you, but boy, I want that, that fresh, clean, clear water instead uh, of that, that old muddy water in one of these old mud holes out here. I'm from down in southeast Missouri where there's a lot of rock and a lot of gravel. You've heard me say it before. Boy, I'll tell you what, the rivers down there are clear. And there's a lot of places you can stand on the bank and look down in 10, 12 foot of water and see the bottom. Just as clear as it be. Sometimes you can walk up and you can look down and, and you can see the rock and stuff down in there and, it be, and it's blue. And you know that it's deep. There's a few places down there that we would get up on the bank or up on the rocks and we'd dive off in there and you go down deep. And boy, after you get down about six, eight feet, all of a sudden you'll hit a spring. And it's like... Bruh. And Clearwater, and that, that's the name of the lake there is Clearwater Lake. And the rivers are the same way. Uh, it definitely was a mission for God to send me up here where all the water is muddy. <laughs> and you catch fish down there and you clean them fish and that meat's white, clean looking. You don't have all that mud and that brown stripe in that down there. Up here you got to take them out and put them in a in a, in a watering trough for two or three days to get all that mud out of them. And the fact is, is that, boy, I tell you what, it's fresh. I remember as a kid that on my grandparents' property, and we lived with my grandparents for a little while. We, we was getting ready to move to Florida. My dad had taken a job down there, and we was getting ready to move down to Florida. Or maybe that was when we come back from Florida. I think it was when we come back from Florida, maybe. Anyway, we lived with my grandparents out on the old farm place, out on what they called Rings Creek. And out there on that old farm place at Rings Creek, there was a spring. And around that spring was mint growing in the edge of that spring. And that water was cold and it was fresh. 
And oh, I tell you what, you go down there and you dip your hand down there and it was cold. But boy, you could just, you just go down there and just, you could just pull the water up and drink that water right out of that spring. There's not very many places around here you can do that. He said, that's what that heart was looking for. That's what that deer was panting for. Not the mud holes along the way. But that clear, clean, uh, uh, fresh water that would satisfy. Can I tell you something? The world will offer you the mud holes to try to satisfy you as a Christian, to keep you from getting stirred up, to keep you from living for God, to keep you from getting excited and going beyond uh, what this world calls Christianity. And will try to hold you back and just try to keep you satisfied uh, along with the old mud holes. Well, I'll tell you what, we need some, some Christians today that begin to pant after, after a freshness from God, a drink, a, a fresh drink from the Lord Himself. Our eyes fail to be, our, our, our eyes are failing to be moved by the, the eternal. Our souls are failing to be stirred by the spiritual. And our faith has ceased to set upon the miracles and ability of God. It's time to get a fresh drink from the Lord and begin to open our eyes and begin to understand what He wants. There has to be that, that beginning in our lives when we say, you know what, I've come this far by faith and I, I want everything that God has for me and I want to walk with Him and I want that new beginning, God. I want you to do something in my life. I want to get closer to you than I ever have before. Amen. Like these in the upper room. So should our souls pant for the living God. But these that was in that upper room, they fled to the Lord, really. They fled to Him that they might be clothed upon by the Spirit of God. As I said before, as of yet, the Holy Spirit had not come upon them. Now, when you got saved, because of the resurrection and everything, and the Holy Spirit coming, the Holy Spirit filled you, came into you. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you've been bought with price. Therefore glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God's. And so we, we know by Scripture that when you receive Christ as your Savior, that the Holy Spirit comes in, which is the seal which is the earnest unto the day of redemption. He is our seal unto the, until the Lord takes us home. We are sealed unto that day of redemption. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. He said, But tarry. He said, You got to wait. You got to wait. You know, when you think about that, about tarrying and waiting, he says, I want you to wait on me now. You go to other scripture in the Bible and it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And we find in different places where the Lord wants us to wait upon him. Well, this is no different here. He said, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. To be endued is to be clothed with or to be arrayed with, to be to put on. That is endued, to put on or to be arrayed with. And he said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be endued but from, from, the, uh, from the Holy Spirit. They were to receive the promise of God, the power of God from, the high, from on high, enabling them to serve the Lord in His, in His power and not in the power of self. 
We read a little bit of what took place there about how that they, how that they went out and they preached and, and they was able to preach in, in other people's languages that they might understand and that the Word of God might go forth. It was the power of God. I've often said in the past and that I'm tired of seeing what man can do. I want to see what God can do. I want to see the hand of God move in my life. I want to see the hand of God move in the church. Because you can pump things up and you can fake it. And many people think they can fake it till they make it. But my friend, you can't fake it till you make it with the Lord. But many times we'll pump it up and try to get it where we want it. We, we must flee to the Lord and seek His presence and His power like they did in that upper room in our lives and, and the church. Hey, listen, you, you'll not find that in a sermon, what they got in the upper room. You'll not find that in, 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 a, in a book, what they got in the upper room. You'll not find what they got in a seminar or in some type of motivational speaking. You've got to get along with God. You've got to spend, get, find uh, that in the presence of the Lord and seek Him with all of your heart. But how many Christians are willing to pay the price to do it? That's where we're at today. We're not willing to pay the price for God to take complete control. I know some, as I said, will say the Holy Spirit has already come. Yes, that's true. And we have all of Him. And that's true. But we must flee to that place of surrender where He has all of us. It's kind of like this. <clears throat> that glove, would you say I have all that glove? It's all there. Would you say I have all that glove? We're going to be here all night if you don't answer me. <clears throat> do I have all that glove? Yeah, I do. I got the whole glove right there. The whole thing's there. It's all there. But does that glove have all me? No. It's not until I put that glove on. Now, does the glove have all of me? No, it doesn't. And for me to try to use the power of this glove is of very little use. Oh, there's some use there. It might keep me from burning my hand, skinning it in there. But all I've got use of is that much of the glove. Well, okay. How about now? Does the glove have all of me? I've got all the glove. But the glove still does not have all of me. Has the, has the ability of using that glove increased? Yes, it has. I can now pick up something that I couldn't pick up all ago. So it has increased. Well, let's, let's just go a little bit farther. I could do a little bit more. I have a little bit more strength because now I've got these two fingers that can grab. And I got that thumb that can roll over. But if I've got something really heavy that I got to pick up, it's going to go against these two fingers that's rolled down down in here. 
Does that glove have to have all the meat? No. Do I have the, the full ability of what that glove is made for? No. I still am in better off. Now I've got a better grip. But that glove still does not have all of me. I have all the glove. But it does not have all of me. And I'm still weakened to the ability of what that glove is able to help me with. But if I take, now I've got full use of that glove. Because that glove, I have all the glove, and the glove has all of me. The same is with you and the Holy Spirit of God. You had, you have the Holy Spirit. But does the Holy Spirit have all of you? There may be partly, yes. But not all and completely. But in order for that glove to have complete, complete use of my hand, I've got to be able to get my hand all the way in there. But the problem is this. If there's things in the glove... You don't get much use out of it. And many times our lives are full of the sweet things of this world. We fill our lives with the sweet things of the world. Okay, quit crying over there. <clears throat> And so we have to empty it out. We have to make it possible. And many times our life is full of things that are sweet to us. But when it's filling your life, the Holy Spirit does not have the control of your life. And so we must empty out our lives of the things of this world whether they're sweet or whatever they are so that we can now have the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God to give us strength to give us the power that we need to do to serve Him and so in that upper room there was a new beginning there was a stirring in their hearts again. There was that emptying out. Here they had gathered and they had, they had failed the Lord. You, you stop and go back and you read. They had failed the Lord, hadn't they? Every one of them. They had failed the Lord in some way or other. Some had, had lied. That was Peter. Some had doubted. That was most of them. And they had all run. They had failed the Lord, they had forsaken Him. They no doubt wept in, in that upper room and they rent their, their hearts and, 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 and begin to call on the Lord for the need for Him to do something in their lives and to meet with them. 
Oh, I tell you what, so is the need in the church today to rend our hearts and not our, our garments. That we might have our hearts broken for the Lord. And that he might, for him to pour out uh, uh, into our lives the hand of God. But we've got to empty ourselves. That the Holy Spirit might take control of all of us. We might be that empty vessel and meet for the Master's use. In 1 Peter 5, 6 it says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that, you may be that He may exalt you in due time. It takes a humbling in our lives to empty us out. One of the things that was very common with those in the upper room was they were humbled because they had failed the Lord. And they admitted it. And they were gathered together for that new beginning, for God to do something in their lives and, and to pour out the Holy Spirit of God upon them to give them power from on high. It's going to take a humbling and an emptying out in our lives in order for Him to do that same thing with us, to use us. But here's the problem. Many times... Our pride keeps us from even using an altar. Our pride keeps us from confessing that we need that help. It's our pride that keeps us from saying, Lord, uh, I, I, I'm not where I need to be. It's our pride that keeps us from, from seeking Him to, to do something greater in our lives. We become satisfied. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21 says, If a man therefore purge himself or else clean out, Himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. You see, this was a confessing church there in the upper room. In the upper room, no man ran his theological tape measure over his neighbor. They were all in one accord. They all desired the same thing. They waited on the Lord, and they renewed their strength in the Lord. That is what it's going to take today in the church. We're not here to compare one another with a theological tape measure. We're not here to, to try to measure ourselves against somebody else. We're not here to, to say, I'm, I'm this much more than you are, or, or, or you're this much less, or anything, or, or you come up short here. That's, we're not here to, to measure up. We're here to empty out and to seek the Lord. I think if the church would, would realize this and get a hold of it today, that, and the church begin to fall on their knees and empty out and say, Lord, fill me. Take control. I think we'd see a revival like we've never seen before. I think there would be that new beginning and a stirring in hearts and lives like we've never seen before. A new beginning. You see, this fear-filled crowd became a fire-filled messenger. In verse 4, he said, They were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling, excuse me, in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, a out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because 
that every man heard them speak in his own language. Could I stop there just for a moment? They became a witness. And the only way that they could become that witness was that they tarried and they emptied self. And they allowed the Lord to fill them. The same is for you and me today. To find a place on the altar of God and to empty self out and say, Lord, take me, use me for your honor and for your glory. Notice that there was, there was people from, that came together from all nations. It said from uh, devout men out of every nation under heaven. What I'm saying is this, that there is no bounds but what God will use you to be a witness to people that you thought that you could never, ever be a witness to. You'd be amazed at maybe how many people might even come up to you and, and begin the conversation <coughs> or begin to speak to you and open the door for you to, to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Is a man today. Same thing. God opened the door. We begin to talk. We begin to share, and the, and the man claims to be saved. And I have no reason not to think that the man's not saved. And we begin to talk and everything. And when he, get, he stepped off of that bus today, and he, he looked outside. There wasn't nobody around, but he said, Hey, we're having church over here. Anybody want to come? And I believe that God will open doors for each of us to people that we never thought that we'd ever see or talk to. Open doors to be a witness. Open doors to be a testimony of Jesus Christ. Preacher, what is it? What does it really mean to have the power and the presence of God on your life? I don't believe that it's necessarily some type of feeling. I think there's an understanding in our hearts and lives at every moment with the presence of God. That He's working in the situations of our life. And He's connecting us with people and other situations for us to be a witness and a testimony for Him. He brings about the situations. He brings about opening the doors. And He brings about the words to say. Well, there's been a lot of times people begin to talk to them and they say something and boy, all of a sudden, verse pops up. Or something that you need to share with them pops up. And I believe that's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit guiding and directing and giving that witness. I believe it has its battles because Satan doesn't like it. I believe that there's attacks because Satan doesn't like it. But I believe that there's an overpowering when we continue on for the Lord and allow Him to work and use us for that witness and that testimony. This fear-filled crowd became a fire-filled messengers. So they were all amazed, in moral verse 7, they were all amazed and saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? They went out with a new boldness. They went out with the power and the presence of the Lord and 
They preach the word. See, preacher, I'm not a preacher. Every one of us are. Every person in this room, you know Christ your Savior, you're a preacher. You're an ambassador for Christ. That's why we got to be careful in our lives how that we live. Because when you tell somebody that you're a Christian and when you begin to, to try to tell them about Jesus Christ, they're going to look at your life. They're going to listen to your talk. They're going to pay attention to how you handle situations. They're going to pay attention how you treat other people. And so we must be careful to be that witness that they might see Jesus Christ and not see us. You see, this was a new beginning of the church. They were a praying church. You find them praying. Folks, we ought to be a praying church. Praying not just at church, but at home. Maybe while you're on the road. Brother Dale sent me a picture. He's on a railroad track yesterday and one of them trains come whizzing by him. And I don't know, it's, they look pretty close to me. He's on this track, they're on that track, and they go by. You tell me about seeing, seeing some of the Amtrak trains that come. They said they do 79 mile an hour. He said, you don't even hear them. You're just hoping they're on their track and not your track. And I told him, I said, brother, this is not to be something you should be playing chicken with. <laughs> but I actually, I think I started out as, I hope you're prayed up. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Every Christian in this room, including this preacher, I know it's bad terminology. And it's not theologically correct to say it this way. But you need to be prayed up. We need to be prayed up. The only way you can be prayed up is to pray continually. We're to pray continually. And I think that the church in that new beginning was a praying church. We should be that praying church. Getting a hold of heaven. Taking hold of God. When's the last time that you had such a seriousness in your heart about something that you took a hold of God? Lord, I, I need you and you hung on. And that means extended times in prayer at times. They were a praying church. They were a concerned church. They didn't just receive that endowment of the Holy Spirit upon them and just sit back. They immediately went out and they began to share the gospel with others. They were a concerned church. Can I ask you something tonight? How concerned are you about the souls of other people? How concerned are you? You see, if we're really concerned, we'll do what we can and do what we desire the Lord to do. And we'll get the gospel out. We'll invite to church. We'll give out gospel tracts. 
We'll tell people about what Jesus Christ has done in our hearts and lives. We'll not be ashamed of taking a stand for the Lord. Hey, this was something completely new to these people as these disciples come out of that upper room and they begin to preach the Word of God. And it was new to these people. And they could have, you know, in fact, if you read on, some of them said that they was full of new wine. Otherwise, they were drunk. They weren't. Boy, I'll tell you what, there needs to be a concern. And a concern for lost souls and a concern for Christians who's out of church. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We're living in the last days. Would it not be a terrible thing one day to stand before the Lord and, and watch Him cast maybe a family member out into a lake of fire that we had opportunity to tell about Jesus Christ or to invite them to church or tell them what Jesus Christ has done in our hearts and lives? Would it be a horrible thing to maybe uh, a, a good friend or a co-worker that uh, they didn't even, you know, it wouldn't be amazing if they said, I didn't know you was a Christian. They what, there should never be a doubt in people's minds. They were a concerned church. That new beginning gave them an even deeper concern for the souls of men. That new beginning, they become a humble church. Realizing that they didn't deserve, uh, that it wasn't their good works, that it wasn't their righteousness, but it was their Savior Jesus Christ and His righteousness. They were a humble church. I'm going to tell you something, standing here tonight, there's not a single one of us any better than anybody else. If it were not for the mercy and grace of God, there's not a single one of us would be on our way to heaven. There's not a single one of us over anybody else that deserves to go to heaven. Well, that all humble us. Realizing that the gospel came to us. They were confessing church. Confessing what they had done, but confessing with Jesus Christ what He had done. And telling others about Jesus Christ. These weren't backslidden Christians. Even though they had failed the Lord... A backslidden Christian is a disobedient to the will of God and to the plan of God. These weren't. There was a new beginning. They wanted the Lord to do a great work. They were obedient to the Lord to go and to tarry and for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. We need to get back to the, some upper room prayer meetings. We need to get back to tarrying. Until the Lord comes down. But only when we're hungry enough is it going to happen. I got an email from a missionary from the Ukraine today. The United States Embassy searched them out and told them that they need to get out of Ukraine. And after talking to their mission board and to the embassy and different ones, they came out of the Ukraine this week. They're back in the United States.
But there's a church there with Christians in it that are Ukrainians that can't leave. You think that'd be enough to get you serious? Do you think that if you was under the threat that they're under, that maybe you could pray? Do you think that he went on in the letter and said that if they come into Belarus like they're talking about coming into, he said there will be at least 50,000 casualties. What if that was America? It could be. It's possible. You think that you could get serious enough to seek God and to call on Him? Why do we wait until some tragedy comes before we say, listen, we got to get a hold of God? Can I tell you, the greatest tragedy is not Russia invading the Ukraine. The greatest tragedy is souls dropping off into a lake of fire for eternity. And we've got to get to a place like that upper room and get a new beginning. One that our, we, our heart panteth after the Lord to get that fresh drink. One where we're willing to empty ourselves out so that He has complete control of every area of our lives. Then we have the strength that we need to take the gospel, to be that witness, to get those prayers answered, to make a difference in people's lives. But there has to be that desire. There has to be that panting. Just as I preach Sunday, how that Jesus sighed because of his heart was broken for that man that was blind and couldn't, or it was deaf and couldn't speak plainly. He looked up to heaven and he sighed because of a heavy heart. Oh, we need to fill the altars and Look up to heaven and sigh with a heavy heart. Oh God, we need revival in Marshall. We need souls saved. We need lives changed. We've got family members. We've got co-workers. We've got loved ones. We've got friends. We've got neighbors that need Christ as their Savior. They don't need religion. They need Jesus Christ. But until we Get to that place where we pant after the Lord and sigh with a broken heart. It's not going to happen. Oh, tonight, I'd love to see us just fill the altar and just sigh a little bit after God. And just pant for the very presence of God to give us a fresh drink.
every head bowed, every eye closed.